Well, please have that psalm open in front of you, Psalm 23. And our text is verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Last weekend, as you know, I was in Wiltshire, and uh, as I was driving through some of the rolling countryside, there was a few glimpses of sheep in green fields. It made me think of this psalm. And uh, this morning, I want to look at this whole matter of spiritual rest. And it's interesting because, as David writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in his situation, green pastures for sheep were not common. And uh, certainly are not common in Israel. Sheep are often grazed in wilderness. And the climate only really allows for lush grass for a couple of months of the year. And yet David, as I said, inspired by the Holy Spirit, pictures this scene. And it speaks of spiritual rest and contentment. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Now, there are some when they come to this psalm who are quick to interpret the blessings of it only in, a, in terms of natural things. Now, we all need physical rest. There are times when we have to stop and rest. We cannot just keep working or exercising our minds in great intensity. And the Lord has given those blessings of enjoyment and relaxation. But if we only see the natural blessing here in our text, we miss a far greater significance of the spiritual blessings that come with knowing God, knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as the shepherd of our soul, and how that is he alone who can meet our, our deepest spiritual needs, and that without him, in fact, we can never find true spiritual rest, the rest that our hearts long for. You know, when we consider the deep emptiness and void in the lives, you know, of those around us, we see that there is a grasping for satisfaction that the world apparently promises. You know, the world and the enemy, they promise so much to people and say, you know, have all these things and you'll be happy and, and you'll be at rest and all that, and yet it delivers so little. And, you know, if we run after the world and we run after the things of the world, we will find that though they may look good at first, you know, they, they're not of lasting value. They don't give us what our hearts really crave. And, you know, people around us, all around us are living with no reference to the God who made them. And they think, you know, well, I can sort myself out and I can deal with that. And, you know, I can try and fill my own longings. And the reality is they can't. Isaiah fifty-seven twenty: the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt. You know, we look at the world around us and we see the living proof, the world and the people in it, they are restless. They are dissatisfied. They're deeply unhappy. And so millions are trying to escape their lives through entertainment or drugs or alcohol or relationships or just a whole lot of stuff in their lives. And as one explains, our society is one mass of restless people continually returning empty-handed from their selfish pursuits. And so we have this great situation, but true rest can be found and known. And true rest is to be found by sovereign grace in God alone, only in the Jehovah Shepherd, Jesus Christ. And this rest makes a lost sheep willing to follow the shepherd in the day of divine power, for he alone can lead to rest. 
It is the Lord who makes us to lie down in green pastures. And so I want to draw out this text for us and a number of things to see. And the first thing is that the shepherd provides the conditions for our rest. The Lord Jesus provides the conditions for our rest. Now, what do I mean? Well, you might think it's easy to get sheep to lie down and to rest. But any shepherd tells you that that's not the case. You can't train a sheep to sit or to lie or maybe to roll or anything else. They'll only rest when certain conditions are right. And so earthly shepherds have to work hard to look after the sheep and to give them the the right conditions so that they can rest. Now, the heavenly shepherd, of course, he provides the necessary conditions for his flock's spiritual rest. They say, well, what are those conditions? Well, one of them is the rest of safety. Sheep have got to be free from fear. They've got to feel safe in order to be able to lie down and rest. Sheep are timid. They're easily panicked, easily set on edge. And so if one is startled, it can make the others bolt off in fear as well, even though they don't know what they're afraid of. As one explains, as long as there is even the slightest suspicion of danger from predators or other enemies, the sheep stand up ready to flee for their lives. They have little or no means of self-defense. They are helpless, timid, feeble creatures whose only recourse is to run. And in that context, a single predator can do a lot of damage. You know, and we hear, don't we, often of circumstances where You know, sheep have been attacked and all manner of difficulties have come. And you say, well, how does a shepherd then make the flock feel secure so that they can rest? Well, he tries to remove as many causes of their fear as he can. But nothing brings more of a sense of safety to the flock than the presence of the shepherd himself. And simply seeing the shepherd in the midst puts their fears to rest. And that's so true of the Savior's spiritual flock. You know, due to our helplessness and our vulnerability, we are timid, we are easily afraid, easily discouraged, easily set on edge. There are many things that that can cause us to fear and be concerned. And when the Lord begins to work in our hearts, we learn we've got no strength in ourselves to fight against any spiritual predators that may come. And so one of the things that we fear, well, we fear sin. You know, our own sin, our our guilt at times when we're convicted and the the consequences of sin, it weighs heavy upon us. Sometimes it's fear of the law of God. You know, when we're we're brought in the word to consider these things, it's demands for perfection. You know, how can we rest when when we're, we're told that we must be perfect? We can't do it. And then also there's Satan. You know, we're... Can they find rest when they're continually confronted with a roaring lion who wants to devour and, you know, attacks of temptation and accusation? And also we we can fear death and judgment. How can we rest if if our eternal destiny lies in the, the balance and is found wanting? Well, only the presence of the shepherd can dispel those fears. And the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed on the cross has brought reconciliation and peace in the midst of all that threatens his people. And his presence makes them calm as the the shepherd stands with them and leads them in his strength. He himself is their peace. 
He has promised that he will never leave them and never leave them comfortless. And their shepherd loves his sheep, gave his life for them, and is with them all the way through. And by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus dwells in the believer and so is with them, is their refuge and their strength and their very present help in trouble. You know, the shepherd stands by his flock and he grants them faith to look to him, to behold him, and to believe that he is looking upon them in favor. And so we are free, therefore, if we are his, to lay all our fears at his feet and to place all our trust and our confidence in him as our great shepherd. And by protecting the sheep from the things that they fear and staying close to them and helping them to see his presence, the Lord Jesus gives them that first condition of rest. They are safe because of him. It's a wonderful thing to be in Christ and to know that safety, that rest in him. But also there's another condition, which is the rest of unity. Sheep must be at peace with one another if they're to rest. As one explains, uh, another source of fear from which the, the shepherd delivers his sheep is that of tension, rivalry, and cruel competition within the flock itself. And like other animals, sheep fight amongst themselves. And they create strife and tension within the flock. And the stronger attack the weaker and claim the best pasture for themselves. And so the flock can never rest because there's always turmoil. question is, is it any different with Christ's flock spiritually? There's always trouble if one of God's children is pushing on and striving to get their own way and to be the top sheep, as it were. And sometimes the, the headbutting and shoving amongst God's children causes so much disorder that the entire congregation, the entire sort of local family of the Lord's people becomes tense, becomes on edge. That's why Paul's advice in Philippians 2 is needed amongst believers today in lowliness of mind that each esteem others better than himself. And the good shepherd responds to fighting in the flock in justice and wisdom and in love. And he disciplines the strong for pushing around the weaker sheep. And the shepherd makes known his presence in the flock again as the, the Lord and the son of David. Think of Ezekiel 34, I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them my servant David, he shall feed them and be the shepherd. And as the presence of the shepherd often causes sheep to stop fighting, so the presence of the Lord silences bickering and promotes humility and peace amongst those who are his. You know, the good shepherd also shows lovely compassion for the weaker sheep. Think of Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. You know, the shepherd shows that his sheep, that the greatest advantages come not from striving to have the preeminence and to dominate others, but from being the servant of all. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when this is seen, the sheep aren't butting against each other but they are at rest together with their shepherd. And friends, we need to be reminded and to realize that it's when we're humble that we're closer to the shepherd. And the question is, are you and I seeking grace to become one of the lowliest sheep? Do we ask the Lord for his help to think much of him 
to think much of, of others and not of ourselves. Being part of his flock at all is a wonderful thing. It's all of his grace. And so there's the rest of unity. And then there's the rest of peace. Another hindrance to sheep resting is pain that comes from insect bites and other parasites. And in certain seasons you have these awful flies and ticks and they torment the sheep and make it impossible for them to rest. And so instead, because of all this going on, they're always on the move and stamping and shaking and jolting this way and that. And the shepherd helps ward off these insects by applying oil to the head of the sheep. Now, the Lord's people are also beset by pests that prevent spiritual rest. We battle against worldliness, but often it fights back, and it can be so frustrating. It causes us to stumble, and we, we easily, again, get entangled in the, the affairs of this world and all of its filth, and it can be a cause of trouble. Temptations can come at us, and we, we struggle to find rest, and the enemy is clever. He knows our weaknesses. Some of God's sheep struggle with great doubts over whether they're really the Lord's at all. And they have struggles in the faith and struggles in some of the great truths of Scripture. You know, others are concerned that one day they'll fall altogether and never come back. But the greatest challenge is self. And we often feel like Paul in Romans 7, for what I am doing, I don't understand. For what I will to do, that I don't practice. What I hate, that I do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is pleased to pour out the oil of the Spirit upon his flock. He cleanses and sanctifies and heals and comforts and transforms the flock, working faith in their souls and uniting them to himself. And Christ shares with his sheep the oil of, of gladness and joy that, that God has poured out on him through the Spirit. And the Spirit works and gives them relief. And especially when he takes the things of Christ and, and shows them to the flock and applies them, he gives strength so that by faith they can face this world and the temptations and battle with self. It opens the way to rest when we know that we, we don't face these things on our own, but, but it's through him, it's through him that we face these things. And then the, the other condition is the rest of sufficiency. You know, hungry sheep don't lie down to rest. Instead, they're always looking for anything to satisfy their hunger, even if it's bad for them. If the sheep are not fed, they're not settled and they don't thrive. It's only when they have sufficient food that they're unable to lie down to rest. And in difficult climates, the shepherd has to give careful thought and constant effort to keep the sheep well fed. Now, the good shepherd leads his sheep to good pasture. The Lord Jesus is the door through which we enter salvation and go on to find abundant life and the rest that we long for. And the Lord Jesus is himself the pasture of his people. He is the living word of God. And so to provide that for us, it cost him more than just planning and hard labor. It cost him his life as he laid it down upon the cross. And he is the, the pasture land of eternal satisfaction for his own. Christ feeds and nourishes hungry and thirsty souls. His sheep find in him everything that they need. 
He is the focus. He is the the centerpiece. He is the all in all of his flock. But also in his kindness, the Lord Jesus gives the written word as pasture for his flock. The living word, Christ, and the written word, they are inseparably associated with each other because Christ is the message of all of the Bible from beginning to end. And the scriptures reveal Jesus as the righteousness of sinners, the Lord and Savior of all who call upon his name. And you know, God's people love scripture and they honor it as the word of God. It is their food. It is their pasture. As well explains, it is their bread when they are hungry. It is their honey when they are faint. It is their milk when they are babes. It is their strong meat when they are men. And by grace we are given to believe this word and receive the word with meekness, keep the word, continue in the word. And it means that we treasure the means of grace. The house of God becomes our home because we feed in the green pastures of the word of God, the precious means. And Christ indwells every believer by the Holy Spirit, but has promised his special presence whenever the church gathers in his name. And you know, the sheep hear the the good shepherd's voice speaking to them through the reading and the preaching of the word. You know, we may become and we don't understand or don't appreciate the significance of what happens every time we open this book. The very word of God, the shepherd speaking to us. And the Holy Spirit tells us, and we're told in Ephesians 4, that the ministry of the word is the the principal benefit, the gift of the, the great shepherd's ascension. And so the Lord places special honor on the preaching of Christ crucified, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And we are blessed when the the proclamation of the word feeds our souls and gives us rest when as a flock we meet with God and we hear the shepherd's voice and Christ dwells amongst his people to abundantly bless and satisfy and give joy. You know, like sheep lying down in green pastures, as his people, we experience divine rest and we know the shepherd provides safety from enemies such as sin and Satan and death and judgment. We know that he can give us unity as his people so that we can dwell together. We know that he blesses us with peace as the oil of the Holy Spirit soothes the irritations and the dangers of of temptation and self. And he feeds us with his word, the all-sufficient word, so that we can be satisfied. My dear friends, this shepherd provides the conditions for our rest. And we shouldn't look anywhere else but to him. And you say, well, well, how do we experience this rest? How do we know it? Well, we experience it by faith in Christ. By faith in the shepherd. He is not only the redeemer who purchases salvation, but he is the king who applies that salvation. He makes us lie down. It is his work. It is his grace that gives this rest. The Lord provides based on the the objective work of the Savior to redeem his sheep, but it is worked out subjectively in our lives, in our experiences. And we can know of the the rest that the Lord provides objectively. We can know the truth. But we long for it to be applied to us. So that not only do we know it, but we experience it in our own souls. 
And that comes through appropriating Christ for ourselves, believing in him, trusting him, resting in him. True saving faith is of the Lord. It is focused on Christ. And that faith is essential for every aspect of spiritual life. One says Christ honors faith the most because faith honors Christ the most. Faith focuses on Christ, believes in Christ, trusts him, leans upon him. That's it. True faith lies down in the finished work of Jesus Christ, knowing that it has everything if it has Jesus. Nothing can I lack if Jesus is mine. You know, by that gift of faith, the Holy Spirit meets all the needs of his people in the Lamb of God. Faith believes the truth that Christ really is the answer to all the problems that burden our souls. I wonder if we really believe that. Do we really believe in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to meet our every need? Let me give you some examples, and the Word of God has many. You know, are we sinners? Yes, Christ redeems his people from sin by becoming sin for them. Are we separated from God? Christ endured being forsaken on the cross so that his people might never be forsaken of him. Are we unrighteous? Christ, the perfect one, gives the gift of his perfect righteousness to his people. Are we under the curse? Christ died as the curse bearer for his own. Are we foolish? Christ is our wisdom. Are we weak? Christ is our strength. Are we tempted? Christ was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands he can help us. Are we spiritually poor? Though he was rich, yet Christ became poor so that we through, so that through his poverty we might become rich. Are we in spiritual bondage? The Son, Jesus Christ, shall make us free and we shall be free indeed. Are we in need of prayer? Christ is our high priest, never ceasing to make intercession for his people. I could go on. All those things that we face, Christ is the answer. And the word of God reveals the person of Christ, his work, his offices, his nature, and the Holy Spirit takes them and applies them to every affliction that comes to the sheep. And faith is the instrument by which these blessings come to us. But it can only receive what the Lord gives. And so faith doesn't earn favor from God. It is the hand by which we receive God's gift in Jesus Christ. You know, we need him. We sung that we need him every hour. And how foolish we are if we seek to sort ourselves out and not look to him. By faith we come to Christ and we learn the reality of the promise, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the Holy Spirit works this rest in the souls of God's people. And it takes us away from ourselves. It takes us away from our circumstances and to dependence upon him. You know, Martin Luther explained that the Spirit gives the believer spiritual eyes to see what is the best and the noblest thing on earth. And it isn't all the power and the wealth and the status. It is this, that the Lord is his shepherd and that he is in his pasture and in his care and that he has God's word. With that, nothing compares. You know, and as the faith of God's people increases, it grows and it bears fruit in full assurance of faith. 
And the Spirit applies the work of Christ deeply to the conscience. You know, we can know that we're saved. We can know that we're justified by faith. We, but we are to grow in spiritual experience of our union with Christ. You know, we, we can never know more of that, that closeness with him. And we should want that. We should long for it. Deeper experience of Christ. For ourselves, you know, doesn't it thrill your heart? You can know him and you can continue to know him and you can know more of him and you can never get to the end of that. To know him as God's sheep, we can say for ourselves, I know whom I believe. I know my Redeemer lives. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Spiritual rest in the Lord becomes the flock's possession as the outworking of that great work of justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. The guilt of sin taken away in its condemning power, the law of God no longer cursing us with impossible demands for perfection, Christ has done it all. And we rest in the person of the Saviour. And there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ, the great God becomes our refuge and our rest. And I wonder, do you rest in God's eternal truthfulness as a cause of hope? Are you conscious of your sin and yet are you being led to rest in the mercy of God which can alone blot it out? You know, have you found a resting place in sovereign divine grace? Are you in Christ this morning? Have you turned from all of the, the emptiness and the sinfulness and the rebellion of this world? And have you cast yourself upon him? You know, despite all of our stumblings and our unfaithfulness, the patience and the faithfulness of God, whose promises never fail, is a wonderful thing to be able to rest in. The gospel gives us rest from our enemies. And having died with Christ, risen with him, we are delivered from Satan and sin and death and judgment and hell, even from self. The old nature can no longer have the upper hand even though the battle continues. We are at peace with God. You know, we are granted help even in the furnace of affliction. In you know, Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We are able to rest in the Lord in every situation. And we see the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, the king of kings, and we commit ourselves to him, knowing that he does all things well. That is a blessed place to rest. We lack nothing if the Lord is our shepherd. And as we finish this morning, that's the exhortation, really. The shepherd, he gives us the conditions for our rest. We experience that rest by faith, and then we rest in the love of the triune God. You know, the exercise of faith in Christ brings God's sheep to boldness in approaching God. You know, we, we have this resting in God, this knowing of God personally, and in his three divine persons. You know, Paul desired that blessing for all believers. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. You'll recognize this verse, but I wonder if you've thought about it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. By grace, we can come to know the love and grace of each divine person. 
And in return, our love and our joy overflow. Let me explain. Knowing the Son, it is an amazing privilege to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, as our elder brother, as our merciful and faithful high priest, as our advocate with the Father, to know him as Emmanuel, God with us, to know Christ as our friend who sticks closer than a brother, to know Christ as the one who is altogether lovely, as it says in Song of uh, Songs, to be able to say not just that he gave me peace, but he is my peace. What a wonder to be admitted into the circle of Christ's personal friends. Do you know how privileged you are this morning if you can say, Christ is my friend. You know, he brings us to rest in himself with the very rest that he enjoys with his Father. And something we know more of as we know him better, a rest which draws from this incomprehensible love between the Father and the Son. Deep, deep wonders to know the Son. And to know the Son is also to know the Father. Christ brings his friends and his brothers to know the first person of the Holy Trinity. He brings them to an experiential enjoyment and knowing that they are adopted into the household of God, that they are able to cry by the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father. You know God as Father. And justification removes condemnation from the sinner and places them in a state of righteousness. But adoption goes even further. It brings us to the table of God's household as his children. You know, if that doesn't thrill you, that you are a child of God, then I don't know what will. It is a wonderful thing to rest in the, the green pastures of God's fatherly heart, that we have access to him, to his throne of grace, the richest blessing in the whole world. You know, we can tell our father everything. No need is too small. No sin is too great. We have his ear. It's incredible. And to know the Holy Spirit, you know, the third person of the Trinity, he is a wonderful, wonderful person who is working to bring these things to us. And through Christ, we receive reconciliation with God. We're adopted by the Father and we receive an experiential knowledge of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our elder brother, God became our Father. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. And he works in us. In his offices as comforter and sealer and intercessor. And by the Spirit dwelling in us, Christ's resurrection life is in us. Resurrection power in you, believer. You know, the Father and the Son make their home with us as the Spirit dwells within us. And the Holy Spirit does a vital work knitting us to the Father and the Son, enabling us to have that fellowship and communion. Do we not long for more knowing of that? You know, we feel as though we're just paddling in the shallows to know communion with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That is the rest you are granted in Christ. Now, friend, all rest in this side of the grave is a shadow of the, the perfect eternal rest to come. And we get glimpses of joy and glory and all those things. But the final rest is still ahead. And we are passing through this wilderness, but soon we'll be at the Father's house where all our sorrows will be over and we will enter that everlasting rest. And the way isn't easy. 
And there are many challenges along the path. And at times we can be weary, not of the shepherd's service, but we can be weary in it. And here in this world, our, our sense of resting God can be so feeble, but we hope with certain hope that the eternal rest is coming and then we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then we will be with the shepherd forever. What a privilege if we are in his flock. The shepherd gives us the conditions for us. We experience the rest by faith. We know the love of God because of our relationship with him and we have a certain hope to come. Those things together should give us rest in this restless world. This is not the end. There is more to come. And how we long for it, the great glory, and to see the shepherd for ourselves, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is all in all to his people. Amen.